Dr. Amalia Ganyas-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us in studio today is Judith Sapuma, a South African jazz and Afro-jazz singer. She has performed extensively both across the globe and here at home in South Africa, earning numerous South African Music Awards, two Chora Awards, two Metro FM Awards, as well as exceeding multi-platinum album sales in the process. She was a regional judge on Manzanzi Magic's reality show, Clash of the Choirs SA. Her experience live in concert CD and DVD are both now on gold status, which means they've sold in excess of 25,000 copies. A Cry, A Smile, A Dance is in excess of 300,000 copies. And she has a forthcoming jazz album due for release in March, which we will talk about a bit later. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to have you here. (laughs) And I think starting at the beginning, you grew up in Polokwane in South Africa's Limpopo province. And you knew that you wanted to be a singer from an early age. After matriculating from Kakiso High School, you attended Johannesburg's legendary Fuber Academy in 1993, where you received your grade 5 music diploma. In 1994, you made a significant move to Cape Town to study music at the University of Cape Town, graduating in 1997 with a performance diploma in jazz. You then gained your honors degree in jazz performance, majoring in jazz singing, under the supervision of Professor Mike Campbell in 1999, And while studying jazz singing, you were also classically trained by Virginia Davids for five years. I have to say that Mm -hmm. is quite a dedication (laughs) to the music discipline. Yeah, yeah. Can you please share with us a few of the landmarks along these long years where you were both attending university, studying and performing on stage for a living all at the same time? Oh, wow. It, It actually was... Um, I would say the most exciting time of my life. Uh, I was young. Firstly, I was curious about a lot of things and I was given a lot of attention by my professors, you know, because I was, I was just this girl who was just singing all over and who was so hungry to sing and to study music, you know, and, and remember like when I came from Fuba Academy, I, I had only learned a fraction of what music is. And when I got to varsity, the real work really started. So at varsity, I mean, in those years in Cape Town, I mean, I got introduced to big bands. Uh, I got introduced to a different audience um, and performed to a larger audience. So that became very exciting because I was not only uh, a student, but I was a performing artist as well from my first year. And I got so many invitations, you know, from other bands as well in Cape Town, which kind of like made me grow quite fast musically and and put me in a spot whereon I had to know what I wanted. And for me, an identity was the biggest thing ever. Because if I was not, if I, if I didn't know who Judith Sipuma was at that time, and if she was not really um, properly established as Judith Sipuma, she would not be where she is today. And did you find that from a point of view of genre or personal identity? I found that from, um, I think, actually I never thought of it that way, but I, looking at it now, it was more from a musical side of it. And 
And for me, I always say that an artist, you know, if you don't have an identity, it's difficult for people to work with you like producers. They don't know what to bring out of you. Actually, producers can actually give you an identity because they don't know who you are. You don't know who you are. So I think musically, I kind of like chose my own songs. I chose the style of music that I wanted to sing. And at that point, it was, at that time, it was actually jazz. And I'm talking real jazz where, you know, I would listen to the music of Ella Fitzgerald, Sarah Vaughan, Nina Freelon, Nancy Wilson, all those were my role models. I was listening to those ladies quite a lot. And the songs that I was learning, they were their, their songs at Varsity. And I remember the first standard that I sang was How High the Moon, which was really, really difficult. And I had to even learn her solo as well. But all of that, I think, helped me become, find my my direction because then at a later stage I met a gentleman um, who had a band and they needed a lead singer and this is now was outside of the big band outside of you know the jazz quartets and the quintets and I had to be in a band where we had to go either do African music or funk pop you know and so you did a full mix I did all of it I put my hand on all of it, but the most beautiful thing about that time was that whether I was singing rock or or R&B or pop or classical, because I was classically trained, or, or jazz, everything was defined. I could separate all the styles. And if it was, um, because we, I worked with people, musicians that were from, Puch, uh, from Maputo, from Mozambique, and they would sing a lot of Portuguese songs. And I had to sing them accurately so, because I figured that it's not a good thing for someone to sing your language wrong. I had to sing it correctly. And that's how I gained my, my you know, my, my fans in, in Mozambique. And because they would hear me sing in that style, in that, in their language, it, it would be so perfect. And people always appreciate it when you yeah, communicate in their language yeah. and you do it well. You do it well. It's important. I mean, I will, yeah. So that's what happened. And I mean, my, my professor, my, 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 my Campbell at the time was very hard on me. All my teachers actually, they were. Because they would it's, give me... It's often the way that people extract the best <laughs> from you. Exactly, exactly. And they were so hard on me that I thank them until today, you know, because they, they really pushed me to the right direction. I mean, including in the way I would even carry myself on stage. Um, I mean, I worked for so many years with Slalos Sluta as well. That was another different style of music from home, you know, where on we, it's Sipedi, you got to sing Sipedi the right way. And I hear people singing Sipedi now and they, they're making it sound English-like, you know, that the names are not what they're supposed to be. They kind of like change the tonality of the, so that kind of like, not doesn't make me happy at all because we kind of like lose our identity as Africans. It is important that, you know, Homojo becomes Homojo. Mapule ki mapule. You know, if it's going to be something in Portuguese, let it be exactly that. It cannot be changed. You cannot change the the way we pronounce that word. And it's you know? because it's all in the interpretation. Yeah, of it the is music. an interpretation. Yeah. Well, with your ear. And with all of that attention to detail and having such a strong founding on the classical bass, I have to say that I have been very impressed with the strong sense towards academic education amongst female singers and musicians in South Africa, well, at least those who have been guests on my show. Because it's something that somehow you least expect to see from stars who rock stages in front of thousands of fans. Yeah. 
to have such an established education. Yeah. What's your point of view on it? Well, I, I didn't have a choice, actually, because it was either I go study something or go find a nine-to-five job, which was going to be very difficult. So my mom, my mom said, you know, you have to go to varsity because my dad had, you know, done, had a trust fund for me to go study at varsity. So I had to go study something. And it was easy for me to make a decision because it had to be music. And, but then it took time for me to decide that because I wasn't sure if my mom would let me go all the way to Cape Town or even Johannesburg. So we looked at universities uh, universities around, you know, Polokwane, and they didn't have music at all. And they looked at Bachelor of the Arts or something like that. And I was supposed to study BCom. And I'm like, what is that? that those are big words for me. And I'm going to fail the first semester. I'll fail the second one. I'll fail. I'm just not going to do well at all. My passion is music. So we did a bit of research. And then we found that firstly there was FUBA. And then I had to... From there I had to go to University of Cape Town so it was easy for me to do that I got there and I just I mean when I FUBA for me was firstly very exciting it got me really concerned about my craft I wanted to know more about this thing called voice but now we didn't have vocal teachers and I ended up just learning theory just to get the basics of it and history of music, history of jazz. And then I got to and Harmony as well. And I got to University of Cape Town. I got voice. And when I got there, let me tell you, we had a teacher who was the head of vocal of voice um, of our vocal department, classical department, who was Miss Sarita Stern. And she was an impossible lady. She did not um, agree to me studying uh, classically because she said that I came from a jazz background. I had to have a classical background. So, And I was the only one at varsity who was studying jazz and wanted to do classical training. I refused to do jazz, jazz, jazz training vocally because, you know, what I wanted was range. It was technique. And in jazz, they don't teach you that. Jazz, the kind of technique we learn in jazz is not the same technique as classical. The classical one sustains you more, much more than the jazz one. So I got there and Miss Stern said no. She refused, I think, for the first month or so. And how did you overcome? I fought because I threatened with everything possible in me. I, I fought for, for that, for, for me to be accepted in the classical department. Eventually, I mean, I wrote motivational letters. I had meetings. I was called into meetings over and over again and made to sing over and over again until one day, um, you know, they accepted, accepted me into the classical department. And I was the only jazz artist. And I think I opened a lot of doors for a lot of classical, of jazz singers who could, who wanted to study their, you know, vocally classic and classical training. So after that, it was not an easy thing at all because with classical training, you know, you, you work. It's a lot of what you've got. You've got to learn arias and those areas are not easy to learn. It's running notes. It's a lot. You gotta sit on the piano and you have to practice every single day. You gotta practice your voice every single day. You know, and then the theory and the harmony part, those were, you know, they were not challenging that much because, I mean, I had assistants. Slalo was there with his guitar the whole time. I had, um, my teachers were there as well. We had a teacher, Daryl. Daryl was amazing because anything I didn't understand, he could take extra time after class and sit with me and show me this is how we do it. My professor as well, you know, they were all just gave me so much life. It's almost like they knew that I had bigger plans for myself. Yeah. I think that you've really 
given a full review of that whole nurturing process, but yeah. you seemed so involved yeah. and connected with it. And I think that that dynamic is also another dimension where a student connects with her peers, yes. with her mentors, yeah. and you have a, it's almost a contagious effect <laughs> yeah. of making sure that you get the best yeah. out of yourself for, yeah. for that benefit. Yeah. And whilst we're on the subject of education, if you could please just expand on your decision to carry on studying and to further your education at university, mm-hmm. especially to all our young girls who might be at a crossroads now yeah. on deciding, should I go to university? Should I continue my education? Wow. I would say to them, you know, the one thing that, that one thing that, that's eating you up in your heart, that is actually the one thing you need to follow. And especially if you're afraid of it and you don't know what's going to come out of it, but you believe that that's what you want, that's what you need, I think you must go for it. And, um, um, you know, we are always afraid of, of what we don't know really. And until you take that step and get into studying, you, you, will, you will never realize how important that is and how good that will be for your career. Of, you know, because at the end of the day, you need to understand what it is that you're carrying. You need to understand your voice. You need to understand it can be anything. You have to learn. You've got to study for it. Uh, nowadays, we don't really talk much about I don't hear actually our, our young girls talking much about studying. I hear them talking about I need a job, I need a job, I need a job, you know, or I need something to fall back on. Studying is really, really important. You can do both, but the studying has to be the one thing that you, you prioritize. And I think you've demonstrated that amply. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take a short break. Hi, this is Lira, South African Afro Soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amelia Malka on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, and democracy. Today, we're talking to multi-award winning, multi-platinum selling musician, Judith Sapuma. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. In our previous discussion, we were talking about Judith's passion, her voice, utilizing it as an instrument and the most important thing of having a firm foundation which set her track on her tenure for the rest of her career and being able to inspire other young people to do the same thing whether or not their passion may be a music or otherwise but having a firm foundation in their education since this program is all about gender equality which is increasingly a global focus and as such building female leadership capacity in South Africa and around the world is highly significant. As a role model to so many South Africans and a wider audience across the globe, how do you see female leadership, whether it's in parliament, schools, business, music, or any other field for that matter? Well, I'll, I'll talk about something that I'm strongly you know, passionate about, where women in leadership are concerned. Women... Um, now are taking over businesses, you know, into the corporate world and into the music industry. And women are opening up 
so many businesses, it can be anything, and they are making it work. They're showing, I think, when when you have girl children who are looking up to you as a mom and you are leading something that becomes an inspiration to your own child. For me, that's how I look at it. I don't want my children looking at me and saying, why didn't mom do this? They have to see you leading something, doing something that is positive. You're that is, so right. Yeah, Mothers that is, are yeah. a huge role model. They are, they, they really are. You know, we, we, we take it even to, to boy children. We take it for granted, but they really, really look up to their moms so much. So women who are taking over, whether they are running a magazine or running a business of any kind, for me, that's what, that's, that, that what, that's what excites me to see them do that. It actually inspires me to actually want to do the same and more. Because at the end of the day, you know, I'd, the, the, the world, whether we like it or not, I, I think the world is run by women. <laughs> I think it is. So women are definitely taking over lately. I mean, in the past couple of years, women are taking over and are really in charge. And does the fact that being a woman make gender equality closer to your heart and make you more determined to succeed and to create a difference? Yes. Um, you know, every day we, we meet people and we associate with people that are great in what they do. And I think, I think for me, um, it can be even a young woman who is running a hair, a hair or even a nail, she's a nail technician or anything. She is starting something really great. And that for me is an inspiration to see young women do that or young men do that. You know, um, it is something that, that I would love to see more happen a whole lot more. But more than anything, I think we need to give them, find a way of giving them support. People that have small businesses, especially young ladies, young women who have small businesses, they need to have um, a lot of support and encouragement to continue doing what they do because they really need a lot of help out there. We meet them all the time. Moving on towards your career, can you take us to some of those moments where all that hard work, which you've expanded on when you're talking about your education, but when that hard work that you put into building your career finally paid off, and you found yourself on stage or working alongside legendary singers. Oh, wow. Uh, let me say that I've had the most exciting career ever because I've, everything that I have said I wanted to do when I was growing up has happened. There are artists, international artists, and locally that I have said I want to sing with when I was real before I even released a cry as my dance or before I even left Polukwani I've sung with them from Letambulu to Kefa Seminya to Oliver Mtuguzi to Ringo Madlingos I mean I remember I used to hear Ringo Madlingos singing on radio and I'd be like oh this guy I would I love his voice I would love to one day collaborate just to actually it was even just to look at him <laughs> that if I can just see him you know my heart would be so happy and I got to sing with all of them and internationally as well from Shaga Khan to Michael Bolton all of them the only one I haven't sung with is Priyabha Bryson uh, oh my gosh there's there's so many Randy Crawford um uh, Al Jero ooh uh, I can't remember, but so many, so many people. And also to share a stage with so many of these great artists. For me, it was a really, really exciting moment. So my journey has been, has been fun, 
fun, a lot of fun. And there's nothing as beautiful as doing what you love, but not just doing it, living it as well. You know, because then I got to travel the world to see Africa, a bit of Africa internationally, you know, and even here, go to places. You know, our country in South Africa, we've got the most beautiful, beautiful places that I've discovered when I was in this career. When my career took me out, even next to my hometown where I come from in Pulukwane, there's really, really beautiful places. But we can only discover that if you, you know, you get to explore, you know, um, your life, travel. And I love traveling. That's fantastic that you've been able to incorporate another dimension into your life. So being able to see those experiences and visit new places. And you'd mentioned that some of your travels have taken you into the continent. Yeah. Have you personally had a chance then to work with other musicians and collaborate with people in Africa and which countries? Oh yes Um, I've I've mainly, okay right now presently I've worked with Oliver Mtuguzi from Zimbabwe we've we've done a song together and I've worked with um, I've performed alongside Salif Keita uh, in uh, Senegal as well Yusundo as well I've had the pleasure of, of working alongside him. I've had the pleasure of working alongside Angelique Kijo as well. She is awesome. She is awesome. And I visited her house. And then years later, she, she was my, my first introduction to West African oh my music. Gosh. Um, Agolo was the first yes, track that I yes. heard. Oh, my gosh. And she, her energy, she's so electrifying on, on stage. You know, but recently, you know, I've just now, actually, a couple of weeks ago, we've, I was in studio and I've, I'm releasing an album called One Word, which should be out now in March. And I've decided that traveling the world in the past year <clears throat> has kind of like made me want to explore other styles of music without having to change my identity or who I am or alienating people from my style of music. So I I incorporated what I do with um, Congolese sound and a Portuguese sound, and I cannot wait for people to hear it. And that collaboration came, it's between me and um, a young man that, I, that that has written the song for me. Uh, the song talks about, it's just a greeting that they do in Congo. Um, it's called Mbote. Can you share a couple of lines oh, with us? Oh, my goodness. Today? <laughs> I can't sing today. My vocal cords are in the fridge at all. And we had load shedding yesterday, so they're not doing so well. No, um, <clears throat> it just sounds <laughs> so interesting. Your sound, yeah. Congolese, yeah. Portuguese. Okay, so so it is that song. That song is called Mbote. It's written by a friend of mine. His name is Mapumba. He's also an artist in his own right. And another one called Belinda. Belinda is written by a young man. His name is Bebe, Bebe Lueki. And I just found him actually by, I was sitting in a restaurant and he came and he performed with a guitar. And I said, oh my goodness, I love the sound. And we exchanged numbers and then started talking. And he says, I said to him, listen, I need a song. This is what I'm doing. And I need a song. And he brought me like four or five songs. And we chose one from those five, four or five songs. And the name of the song is called Belinda. Now, those two songs, I cannot wait. Like I said, for Belinda, you're building up excitement. here. I am. I am. And Belinda, what does Belinda goes like? Belinda, 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 Sheria Moto Day. Mama, eh, Mama, Yamote, Mama. 
So that's part of Belinda, but it's so beautiful when you hear it with the music, you know. Well, and thank you for sharing <laughs> a mini preview. <laughs> Definitely a mini preview. And, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, the world will, will love and, and, and embrace these songs because I think music evolves with time and, and we are part of that evolution. One of the things that has been really important, obviously when you're an artist, there is a commercial side to things. And to have something that's commercial, you need to have a fan base. But at the same time, there's a tremendous responsibility that comes with having such a huge music fan base that follows you. So can you share with us some of the... I suppose some of the responsibilities that come with having such a huge fan base. Oh, wow. Um, the responsibilities, oh my gosh, there's so many actually because our fans tap into our personality, whether we like it or not. And sometimes we don't want to expose that personality because you have to remember that they are fans and they adore you and you are their role model and they love you and they want to buy your music. So it's important to always make sure that that personality is not a fake one and it is not the one that will upset them. So it's it becomes a challenge because we are not always in a good mood. Sometimes our fans don't understand certain things, but one thing that I know and that I love is that um, we do our best to make sure that we welcome them. All they want is just to you know, appreciate us. That's all they do. And um, I just feel that at some some point of them wanting to do that, some fans, they feel they have ownership towards your life. And then when we see that, that becomes a problem. That's when we pull away because honestly speaking, you don't know me at a personal level, but you love my music and I love pleasing you. So I do my best to make sure that I'm at my best when I meet people. Most of the time, it's okay for us to say hello and take pictures and sign autographs. It's not a problem. But you get people who will say, who will pull you actually and say, no, man, come, Judith, come, without even saying hello, you know, and that becomes hard. So The the challenge is people read about you and they think that they know you. They think they know you and they think they own you. I actually have heard a couple of instances where someone will say, but we own you. And when someone would say that, the best thing to do is not to respond. Someone very smart said to me that the last thing that you say to your fan and how they see you is what they will remember. So it's important that they don't see you throwing yourself on the floor because you're drunk or they don't see you um, on, on maybe um, in a public space fighting with somebody or fighting with a teller because a teller forgot to you know, scan something. All those things are really, really important. Mm-hmm. We are a brand at the end of the day. And you're a personal and brand. We are a personal brand. So it is important how we carry ourselves in the public sector, especially in the w- w- with our fans, in the public eye of our fans. And I don't do anything extraordinary, you know. I, I believe if on that day, if I'm in a good mood and you want to say hello, that's fine. I'll say hello. You know, I say hello all the time. But there are moments when on that day, maybe, you know what, I don't know what happened. Like we had load shedding yesterday, uh, two days. 
<laughs> that's, so, that's going to put everyone in yeah, a bad mood. In a bad mood. But we try, you know, our level best to accommodate our fans because we love them and we understand, you know, what they want when they come to us. We don't fight them at all and we do the best we can when we can. And uh, we just appreciate a little bit of an understanding when we are not in a good mood. Well, I think it's very important what you raised in terms of having that authenticity, yeah. managing your personal yeah. brand at all times, yeah. and being able to satisfy your yeah. fans' yeah. desires through the music. Yes, it's really, really important. We'll be right back after this. Hi, my name is Yvonne Chakataka, and I'm UNICEF and Rollback Malaria Goodwill Ambassador. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in the struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy, a program against social ills such as racism, socio-economic class division and gender-based violence. Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amalia Balka every week on this day at this time. Today we're talking to multi-award winning musician Judith Sapuma. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. In our previous discussion, we were fortunate enough to hear a quick preview of Judith's forthcoming jazz album, Belinda, and she shared some of the milestones that she has already achieved from her childhood, sharing the stage with legendary musicians. Going on from your childhood, moving through to the present, going on to the future, can you please share with us some of the milestones that you want to accomplish in your career and what we can expect from you in the near future? Oh wow. Um I I have recently been driven to traveling and exploring the world and getting my music out there because I mean I was with the recording company for a long time and I feel that in South Africa I feel that if I had maybe had an international recording contract I would have been very far by now and I look at my career and I don't want it to be okay. So this is why I want to travel the world and get my music out there. Are you then looking for an international label? I am not looking for an international label right now, but I am taking my music out there. What we're doing is we are creating shows. We are going to London. We'll be in London on the 7th of March and in Camden at a jazz club, beautiful jazz club. And I, I mean, I was I was coming from D.C. We had, um, I'm, I'm on... Um, an ambassador for one Greek campaign, the one Greek campaign. And uh, we were in Washington. We had gone to visit the White House, and we, we had a week there. It was really, really beautiful. It was a leadership summit that just happened recently. <clears throat> so the, it was in, um, in D.C. So when, we, when I was coming back, I was in London. It was a layover in London, and I'm thinking, London. Okay, London, London. I need to do a show here. So I knew a friend in London. I just called him up. I said, listen, I need a place in London. And I Googled the place at the airport. I found the place. I contacted this guy the same day. And I said to him, listen, go book a date for me. And he did. So we, we're going there on the 7th of March. And, um, you know, I have been to Switzerland to do a couple of shows. I've performed at uh, a club called the Marian in, in Bern in Switzerland. And uh, we had we had five days there. It was beautiful. And uh, I've been to Turkey as well. 
So I've just been trying getting myself out there and it's 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 about investing money and time and going out there and believing that you can do it. So we are continuing and we want to also end up going all the way to Africa. Hence, we recorded, you know, Belinda on the new album. My new album, by the way, is called One Word and it will be available on iTunes very soon. The album is coming out by end of March. It should be out in stores and available on iTunes. So we want to get to Congo. We want to get to Ghana. We want to go everywhere where we can, um, even if it's a small club. Anyone who is even listening to this radio station, just let us know where we can go. We don't mind. We will get ourselves there. Or you want to bring us there, let's do this because this is the time and season for it. So we that's my hunger right now. I want to get my music out there. We have a lot of fans, actually. Even in Africa and West Africa, we have a lot of fans. We have a lot of fans internationally as well in the States. And they just never see us. They on Facebook we get a lot of messages. When are you coming here? When are you coming? You know, and um, I'll be in Australia and Sydney after London, and even there I'm going to look at a venue because I know that I've got a lot of fans there in Australia. So we. So would you say that this is the year of of travel? This is the year of being able to fulfil promises for fans to see you live in person. It started last year already. We've been doing it, but this year it's going to get worse because we've just really, we're releasing a jazz album now. And then in November, we will be working on our gospel album as well again, a new one. So we have a lot of work to do. It's traveling. It's work, 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 work. But it sounds like passion and yeah, fun. It is. And it, it, it becomes easier when, when you've got a, a team that is supportive and a team that is just as passionate you know, and um, I mean, we, we travel together. We go everywhere together. We want to encourage other people so that when we get another artist, they must know how much work they need to put in. Because I believe that artists do most of the work. Recording labels do so much. But you as an artist, you have to actually do 90% of the work. And do you find that that is increasingly so? I am not seeing it yet. I would love to see it. Uh, and I would love to see it from our South African artists first. Because in Africa, in Nigeria, people are doing it for themselves. You know, especially Nigerians, for me, they're very inspiring. They're hard workers. They're go-getters. And I've got a lot of them as my friends. And I've got a lot of friends that are from Congo. And some of them have moved to France. And, you know, they are go-getters. So I would love to see, you know, more mm. of us. So to create more of an entrepreneurial spirit oh, yeah. and stand yeah. up and, and do things. Definitely. And I think we can because, you know, you find people outside of our country coming and they love what we do. You know, the fact that we can even host the World Cup, guys, that says a lot about us. And we need to 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 realize that and get ourselves out there. No one is going to do it. I can tell you now because people, we're always waiting for somebody to do something for us. But how about we do something and then let people see that you're doing this and then come and take you more to more places. I think that's a very important and yeah. apt yeah. comment. Yeah. On the music side, music is a huge inspiration for people the world over. Yeah. What do you find influences your songwriting? And is there a story behind every song that you compose? Oh, well, what influences my songwriting is life. You know, um, 
we go through so many things in life, good and bad and exciting and challenging, all of that for me when I look at it. I mean, and it happens from people that are close to me, people that, people that are far from me. I can, I can see something on the news or maybe a situation or anything. Nature inspires me. So every song of mine tells a story. Um, it has to tell a story because I believe that we, with our lives, we are telling a story. We are writing a book for someone else to come and read. And that book better be filled with good story. Each page must be filled with something good for someone to take something from. So if I lived a life that was really boring and it's not inspiring for someone else, I would, I would, I would say, let me restart and do it again. But I'm living a very, very inspiring life right now. Now we're coming to the end of the show. I would like to end with something that you wrote, which I found very inspiring. I pray to God for humility and to keep on being a grounded person. I pray to continue being a loving wife and mother who is able to face challenges and grow from them. I know when to draw the line and I keep wanting better. I never want to be that person who people can't relate to. I want to remain humble and for people to be able to come up to me and greet me. I make it a point to interact with my fans, especially when I remember them. If I don't remember you, please remind me. Yeah, (laughs) I still stick by that, actually. (laughs) Please, will you share a few words of inspiration that you would like to pass on to young girls who are listening to the show on the continent in Africa? You know, I I just want to tell them that, you know, they must just know that they are so beautiful. You see, when God created a woman, he took time. He took three days to create that woman. And that means there is really something special about you as a woman. And, And young girls as you are, remember that you are the future mothers and you are going to inspire somebody. So live a good life. Live an inspiring life and look for things that inspire you. Always associate with yourself with good things, positive people around you. Anyone who brings you down, get them out of your life. They are not worth it. Thank you for that important message. You're most welcome. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much. We look forward to hearing more of you in the future, to hear how the album sales go for yes. one word, to hopefully go from gold onto platinum and Definitely. then onto multi-platinum. Thank you. And for you to have the opportunity to do more travel and to sing with those last few remaining stars. Yes. Thank you so much. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. And we have been talking to multi-award winning musician Judith Sapuma. Today we play out with Joy, the first single on Judith Sapuma's new Afro-funk jazz album, One Word. Tune into the show next week when we talk to Minister Sanjika, former Minister of the Republic of South Africa. Mm-hmm.